0: You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello,
1: hello, greetings, and welcome in. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this is Theology for the Rest of Us recording from the great sunshine state of Florida. Thanks for listening. This is episode 165, and I'm going to be bringing you an interview that I had the chance to do recently uh, with a man by the name of Eric Guzman. Uh, He lives here in the Orlando region, and uh, we had a real fun time chatting. Uh, This is going to be a very unique interview, very different from some of the other interviews we've done uh, in the past. Um, But Eric's got some great gospel truth that he's going to remind us of, and, and some really Good content and dude is just hysterically funny. Uh, I, I I just had a great time talking. He's a riot, and so you guys are really gonna enjoy. This interview. Hey, before we get to the interview, quick reminder about the importance of being subscribed. I know many of you listening to this are already subscribed. Big thanks to you. Uh, but I also know we have a lot of new listeners to the podcast that maybe uh, maybe are not subscribed. Maybe you've listened to a few episodes, but you haven't actually subscribed in in your favorite podcast app or favorite podcast player. Uh, or maybe you're new to the podcast. Like maybe this is your very first episode. Maybe you you just stumbled across the podcast on on social media, or maybe you just discovered the podcast on some other platform. Uh, but not yet subscribed i want to encourage you head on over and hit that subscribe button it's really important whenever you're subscribed it guarantees you never miss a single episode everyone who's subscribed um, has the episodes delivered directly to their device as soon as they go live so make sure you subscribe the easiest way to do that is actually to head over to our website theologyfortherestofus.com There, you'll see a variety of different subscription buttons. Click whichever one applies to you, depending on what platform you're using or what device you're on. Hit the subscribe button. That'll take you over to where you can subscribe. super easy, uh, and then that way, you can guarantee every episode is delivered directly to your device. Again, the website is theologyfortherestofus.com. And then, of course, while you're on the site, you can check out all the other things that are on there. We've got a variety of resources, recommended books, blogs, things of that nature. All of our old episodes, all of the previous 164 episodes are all archived on the site with show notes and additional readings, recommended resources, things you can check out. And so uh, feel free to do that. Again, it's TheologyForTheRestOfUs.com. Before we get to the interview, one other quick item I want to let you know about. If you are a fan of podcasting in general, you listen to a lot of different podcasts, check out my other podcast. It's called the Student Ministry Podcast. Uh, It's designed for anyone investing in the lives of middle school, high school, college students, anyone who's a leader within church circles or in youth ministry, but really anyone who's a leader within the church uh, can get a lot out of it. I really work hard to, to bring some great interviews. I think you can get a lot out of that. So I want to encourage you to check that out. The easiest way to find it is on the web at student ministrypodcast.com. All right, let's get to the interview. Had the chance to uh, interview a man by the name of Eric Guzman. Some of you may be familiar with him. Uh, he's He works for the Key Life Network. Uh, he is the uh, Vice President of Communications and Executive producer for Key Life. If you're not familiar, Key Life is basically a network of radio programs and podcasts, as well as having a website with some great resources and blogs. A really great ministry founded by a guy by the name of Steve Brown. You may be familiar with him. He's a guy who's got that real deep voice, and he says, well, you think about that, right? Um, Steve Brown and the Key Life ministry have had a huge impact on ...on my life, and and Eric has been a big part of the team there and and what they do. I really, really appreciate uh, some of Eric's words in this interview, as I mentioned a moment ago. Super unique, super funny, really great, very, very authentic. Uh, Really, really loved it. Uh, Eric has been a part of the Key Life team for for quite some time. He's also uh, the co-host for uh, the nationally syndicated show, Steve Brown, etc. He works with Steve on that show, and he's the announcer... For key Life. He's got a, a undergraduate degree in mass communications. He's got a he's got an MBA, and he's been perpetually working on his uh, masters in theology for quite some time. He, he he the way he puts it, he says he's always perpetually working toward a masters in theology, which is uh, which is awesome. Uh, but more than all of that, Eric is really just an all around great dude that I think you're going to learn a lot from. Uh, he's got a new book out called The Seed. It's actually a fiction novel that really kind of gives us some gospel truth, and it's not like super overt, in-your-face Jesus gospel stuff, per se, the way some... Christian novels are written, this is more of a, a just a really unique story where Eric takes his understanding of the gospel and takes his own personal story, his own testimony, kind of intricately weaves them together in this very unique, cool narrative. And so anyone out there, if you are a fiction reader, a fan of of novels, things of that nature, you definitely want to pick up a copy of this. And I know I mentioned just a moment ago the authenticity that Eric shows, uh, but I really want to harp on that because he really kind of opens up and he's very authentic in a way that very few christian leaders ever are you know he even mentions at some point in the interview how how easy it is to be tempted to kind of give a persona that you're this great author speaker this great man of god you know they're like you've got it all together but he really just says i want to go out of my way to just make it clear like i'm not that i don't want to put up a a persona of something that is not really me i just want to just want to show you who i really am and 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 give you the confidence i have that god loves me no matter what and so i really think that's what eric teaches us in a way that i just haven't heard many people talk about and so he really just reminds us that it's okay to be messy because christianity our spirituality is messy we fail we stink um but God still loves us, and Eric reminds us of that in a profound way. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with Eric Guzman. We are on the line with Eric Guzman. Eric, how are you feeling today, sir?
0: Oh, man. Do you want the real answer? <laughs> how am I feeling? Oh, uh, feeling kind of fat and depressed, actually.
1: <laughs> I love the real answer. Yes. I'm actually,
0: I'm, I'm feeling... Very fat and depressed. Oh, nice.
1: Well, I will tell you, just to cheer you up, maybe a little, is you got a pretty okay. wicked beard. I'm a pretty big fan of the
0: beard. Oh, thanks, man. Thank yes. you. That's I, uh, one of the, one of the few things I have going for me. I like that it. that my green eyes and my calf muscles. You know, us us, us stocky boys are always complimented on our calf muscles, and uh, I'm no different. So. But
1: you know what? I I didn't realize that I, I get compliments on my calf muscles. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I'm more stocky than I realized
0: yeah i know i know it's uh it sucks when you realize uh, when you're doing these video interviews i'm looking at my fat head all the time i can't escape it i'm like gosh i really have let myself go i've I've got to pull it together man i you know i'm used to doing radio where i don't have to look at myself and nobody has to look at me but i'm glad. glad you're just i'm glad you're just recording the audio
1: that's right um I mean, you know, we could do a video if you really wanted to. We could. We no, could do
0: please, don't no, spare the people. Spare the people.
1: Uh, well, uh, man, I'm super excited to have you on. As as the audience heard a moment ago in the intro, you're you're part of the Key Life team and uh, involved in a few different things. You got a new book out uh, called yeah. The Seed, and excited to dialogue uh, with you about that. So, time is yours. Tell us why did you write this book and what's it about.
0: Well, I I wanted to be famous. And uh, I wanted a lot of people to love me and think I was smart. And, um, And then, like, if I could change the world, too, that would be really cool. But it was really about being loved. Uh, by masses, <laughs> the, the, all the readers, you know. But it's not really working out that way, which is kind of bumming me out. You I, know? I tell you, I, I wrote a book and I didn't get famous
1: at all, and no, then no one loved me anymore. So
0: I know, and they tell you going into it, you're not gonna be famous. Nobody's gonna buy it, and and you're like, you know what? I'm different. I'm different. And then you find out later, no, you're just like every other kid with a, with a decent beard and some calf muscles, and that's about all you got going for you. <laughs> I love it. So, um, now, so man, um, the, the reason I wrote the book was um, multi-layered, so I don't know how to go at it first. I, I'll start with... You know, I wanted a way to communicate my faith that didn't, um, you know, take the conversation into all these kind of dead ends that I always end up in. You know, I, I wanted to do something that would capture people's imagination. that would, they, would, they would read a story and then they would go, wow, uh, I wish that were true. And then I could come along and say, well, it is, and here's why. (laughs) You know, so I wanted to take that whole arc of the story that we read in Scripture and tell that in a mythic, fanciful way. Uh, But I wanted to do it without using any of the words, (laughs) without using any of the uh, phrases or kind of Christian lingo that... People might pick up on whether they're inside the, the church, they're part of the family, or they're outside looking in, hearing the lingo. Um, I didn't want either one to say, oh, I, I see that word, I know what that means, and then dismiss it. Um, mm-hmm. I, wanted to, I wanted them to go along on this ride with me so that um, at, at the end, they, they would see things in a new way. Um, and so it was, it was an attempt to communicate the faith. Uh, And then it was also an attempt to communicate my faith. So what I wanted to do while telling that big story was to weave my story into it. (laughs) So, you know, um, I struggle with all kinds of stuff. Go into this church and that church and, uh, you know, all all these um, different attempts to try to you know, get it together, <laughs> and I've learned some things along the way, and, and I wanted that to be in the book, uh, and so I tell that story, uh, my personal story, uh, using characters, um, you know, the characters that you meet at the beginning of the book, there's a, a hunter, and then there's a young couple, and you, you see what they do to try to uh, manage the pain of the past, and as you follow they're scheming and <laughs> they're they're building to protect themselves, <clears throat> you know, to protect themselves. Uh, you, you see that they end up building their own prison and then, you know, true love comes to set them free. And so I wanted to, you know, I wanted to do something different. You know, I really wanted to do something that was, uh, I, I maybe I bit off more than I, I could chew, actually. <laughs> um, but... But that's what I was thinking. It took a while to do it, and uh, yeah, the book came out in May, and you know, we, we sold a few copies.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: man, I love um,
1: you know. Now, I, I don't know if you've gotten any backlash from people because I think there are certain segments. I'm not going to say any names or any denominations, but there are there are certain segments of modern North American evangelicalism, modern Christianity in the United States where. Uh, where they're bothered by certain forms of storytelling, and hmm. I think of I think of um, William Paul Young as a great example. Hmm. Wrote the Shack a few years ago. Um, I read the book; really loved a lot of elements of it. And a lot of the other pastors and leaders in my tribe, my Reformed Baptist tribe, were totally dogging on him for heresy and things he did. Have you experienced anything like that?
0: No, because nobody's noticed what I'm doing. <laughs> And so, but if they, if I could get them to pay attention, I think I could get them to call me a heretic.
1: <laughs> so, okay. So if, let's, pre- like, let's, let's pretend uh, there are millions that are reading. What, what might they say? How might they attack you and say,
0: yeah, if um, any of these people, wait, 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 if any of these people are listening to your podcast, I, I need to say, this is a dangerous book, gentlemen. This is a dangerous book. You need to buy this book. You need to read this book. And then you need to warn your people not to read this book. <laughs> that's a great marketing I, campaign, isn't it? I know. That's, that's, that's how we sell books, actually. <laughs> Tell people so, not to read it. Yeah, thanks a lot for uh, all that condemnation. Um, so uh, so what's the question again? What are we doing now? <laughs> I, love, I love this. Um, are, are there any any areas of truth that you're
1: trying to, or anything in the story that you would say, hey, I was trying to illustrate this element of truth, this thing that God has taught me, in my own personal life, it's kind of been a little bit messy. I tried to teach it in the book and I think if people read it with, through the lens of dogmatic, you know, Christianity, they're, they're not going to like this part of the story.
0: Right. Well, you know, some of the issues that people had with uh, William Paul Young's book uh, dealt with the Trinity and uh, the Trinity plays a, a major role in the seed. Uh, But I I tried to be very, very careful. You know, I've gone to seminary, and I've I've gone to Reformed Theological Seminary and Knox, and um, I'm aware of, uh, at least I'm kind of, uh, well, I'll say I'm aware of the issues. I don't know if I'm very, you know, uh, well-versed in all of it. But, um, you know, I tried to be careful, so I don't think unless somebody was really just out to get me, that they'd have any problems with the, the Trinity. Um, but I think they might take some issues with uh, what I've done with the creation story. But, um, you know, what I did there uh, really, you know, I took, I took the liberties that I did because I had to tell a decent story. And, you know, when it all comes down to it, it's not like a tight allegory where everything is just one to one, you know. It's um, you know, it's more of kind of exploring the themes and um, and I and, and to tell a good story, I had to take some liberties. So, so I'll give you uh, an example. So the the Adam and Eve type character, you know, the male uh, female uh, in the garden. Um, I I, back, I actually just I made them. Uh, barren. I made them unable to have children. (laughs) And so that's kind of, uh, you know, if they're the father and mother of the human race, (laughs) then that's problematic. I suppose somebody could have uh, an issue with that. Um, But if you see some of the things that I did um, with uh, federal headship, and um, the way that they can be representatives of the entire human race without necessarily being the actual biological uh, mother and father, um, you can see that I did some theological things with that. But just these characters couldn't have children the way that I told the story, because it would have just it would have introduced too many complications. So I had to make them unable to have kids. So that could be one that could be one thing.
1: Uh, I, I hope. If I ever write a a, a novel story, anything, I'm not a good storyteller, I don't think. You seem to be really good at it. So I'm not nearly as gifted as you in that area. But if I do, I sure hope I offend a lot of people. That's sort of my goal. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, You know, it's it's open. There's so much in there that's, you know, I meant one thing, and then it's really open to interpretation. I I mm -hmm. think it can be kind of like a Rorschach test. You know, it's like, there's the ink. And you're going to look at it, and you're going to see something different than what you know somebody else might see, and both of you might be seeing something different than what I intended, um, just because I am playing with a lot of symbolism, mm-hmm. and you know things can get um, confused in translation or how people interpret those symbols, um, and and that's okay too, because I think those those symbols are powerful, and you're gonna you're gonna end up seeing yourself in the story, um, and you know, you, what you bring to it. And, and so that's okay too.
1: That's really cool. I I know in the description of the book and some of the things I've, some of the things that, um, I've dialogued with the, with, you know, or just kind of things I've read about the book online, you really talk about the idea of some personal labyrinths that we as people oftentimes create, um, to kind of protect ourselves. Yeah. What, What do you mean by that?
0: Well, so the characters in the book, they are running from a shadow. Well, the the couple, the young couple, is running from the shadow. And this hunter in the book is running after the shadow, and he wants to trap it and destroy it. The The couple's scared. And uh, the common uh, thing between the two of them is uh, the, the shadow took the hunter's family, and the shadow took the young couple's home. And so uh, while they're running in fear... You know, he's uh, running in anger and, uh, with the uh, revenge on his mind. And so when they get together, uh, the hunter convinces them, Hey, look, we, we can do away with the shadow forever. So let's build a labyrinth where I come from. There are these labyrinths and, um, this, this labyrinth has a special pattern, uh, shape, power that was given to us by the Almighty that will um, repel the shadow um, or protect us from the shadow. And maybe we can trap it in the labyrinth and kill it. You know, it's this bold idea. And so they go along with it because they've lost their home and they need a home. And um, so they they commence to labyrinth, bu- labyrinth building and... Uh, they're ageless. You know, they just don't age. And, uh, it goes on for years and years and years and years. And they essentially build their own prison. And, um, so this is uh, a picture of what I've done in my life. Mm. There's uh, pain in the past. Uh, there's a shadow that has, it's an emptiness. Um, you know, in my case, I, I think there are some things that didn't happen in my life uh, that that probably should have. So there's kind of a black hole there, and this black hole, the shadow, has this gravitational pull, and I, I like to think of it like, uh, you know, a black hole that's, you know, got all this stuff orbiting around it, but the gravitational pull is so heavy that it starts to shake it. Um, and and threaten it, and so I felt like this emptiness in my life, and it came from pain of the past, uh, and some of it, you know, had to do with me losing my home multiple times. Um, I'm a, a, a son of a guy who was in the military, and so we moved a lot, and um, so the theme of home and having roots, you know, is very important to me, and I feel like I missed out on some of those things, and um, as I went forward in life you know and i tried to deal with that emptiness well i tried to construct um a safe life (laughs) you know i tried to protect myself from you know being hurt like i was in the past you know i tried to put down roots and protect my family and um you know uh build a career and and try to uh in a sense this labyrinth becomes kind of a monument to your own competence to protect yourself and those you love from experiencing pain again but the thing is it uh you know it it gets pretty lonely and dark in there (laughs) and um it's not something that god in his love um lets us uh you know lets us stay trapped in uh, we, we get to the point where we see the futility of it and then we have to turn and face the darkness and um, the darkness that we carry with us the things that happen to us the things done to us the things left undone you know things we've done and so then you, you turn and face that and that's really the the beginning of healing and so that's what the characters go through and and that's what I've gone through and like I had mentioned before you know some personal journeying and counseling and you know, I'm still going through it. It's, it's really, really hard to, um, to adult, <laughs> you know, and, uh, I'm finding that, um, you know, I'm, I'm not as prepared as I would have liked to be for all this.
1: Man, that is, uh, I, I really, number one, I appreciate your, your honesty and thoughts. And, um, I, I think about my own life, even as you're sharing, just, I was thinking about some of the things in my own life. I think of the, you know, metaphorically speaking, the, the prison I've built for myself. Um, areas where I don't really want people to know me and know what's going on in my head and heart, uh, mostly because of my own shame and the own pain I've experienced. And so, um, but but ultimately the thing I crave most is that, you know, intimacy with people and connection, but yet
0: my own
1: labyrinth has cut me off from that.
0: Yeah. Um, ha- have, can you- Yeah, say- it's like, the, the, yeah, it's this, and, and the wild thing with the labyrinth, and it's the, the labyrinth in my book is that classic labyrinth form that you're probably familiar with. Like, it's not a maze. There are no dead ends, mm. you know. W- when you go into a labyrinth, if you keep traveling, just keep going straight, you're going to get to the center of the labyrinth. So there's something about it that invites you in, right? It doesn't put up walls to keep you from going forward to the center of the thing. You know, but then again it's full of walls <laughs> right. and and so it's like uh, Stephen Wright he's a comedian I don't know if you're familiar with him uh, real dry kind of delivery and he said once he's like, yeah I got a dog and I named him stay <laughs> and uh, it's like come here stay, come here stay <laughs> <laughs> And I think that's what I've done with my labyrinth, you know, is uh, it's like, hey, come close, stay away, come close, stay away. Um, And, Mm. you know, there is that desire for um, to be known. But but yeah, the shame that we all have uh, is like, oh, my, if they really know who I really am, like, I feel so inadequate and I feel so empty and. Are they going to really accept me? And so there's like, well, they, they should stay away. Let's put up some walls, <laughs> you know, but then you're like, eh, but come closer. And so it's a trap, you know, it, it, it's in the effort to save ourselves, uh, you know, we're frustrating, you know, that, that uh, you know, the, the intimacy that, that could happen if, if, you know, we trusted um, really the message of the gospel. Mm. You know, the, the message that, yeah, we are not enough. We're not meant to live independently of our Creator. I mean, we um, are designed to be filled with His Spirit and to have this union with Him that makes us uh, uh, alive the way that we're supposed to be. This, uh, this union of, of God and man. You know, that really Jesus showed us um, and um, paid the price to restore that broken relationship and, uh, you know, made it possible for us to once again um, be united and filled with him like plants, you know, are, they, they droop and wither and don't bear fruit when they're not filled with water, but when they... Put their roots down, and they they draw that water in. They're they're filled, and they're animated, and they start to do what they're supposed to do. You know, they they bear fruit just by abiding in that um, in that relationship. And so, um, yeah, a lot of us are, I think, ashamed of the fact that we're wilty plants. Mm. You know, and we're like, oh, I you know I should be just so much uh, such a stronger plant. You know, <laughs> as I walk around on my roots not rooted to anything and like hey you're not even functioning the way you're supposed to be functioning <laughs> except the fact that you are a needy plant <laughs> in need of this water right. and that the water has been freely provided and so drink the water and believe it it's all yours and um, and then you can start to relate to each other in some healthy ways that don't require all these walls like we can just say yeah oh i am a i am a screwed up person i have got all these oh you don't even know how bad it is over here. Um, but at the same time, I know that I'm complete in him. And so um, can we be messed up together, honest, take down the barriers, and enjoy the communion that's uh, provided by this love that comes to us when we're at our worst, you know? Mm then we and, mirror that to each other, you know. We, we give that to each other because we've received it. And then, then things start working a little bit better, but it's still very messy. <laughs> um,
1: you know, I think, uh, and I, 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 did not grow, I didn't grow up in a home uh, where either of my parents were, were people of faith of any kind. And uh, I, I didn't have any exposure to Christianity until I was uh, almost in high school. Um, I mean, I uh, all I knew about Jesus was that Christmas was his birthday. Apparently, And if, <laughs> if you said his name in school, you might get in trouble for cussing. Uh, that, that's about what I, I didn't even know the Easter was a Christian holiday. I remember the first thing they told me that was like, we celebrated raises from the dead. I'm like, are you guys kidding me? That's crazy. That didn't happen. Like, I <laughs> like, like, and so the I remember discovering the gospel as a as a young man, almost 14 years old, just reading the Bible. Just like me and, my, and, I, and I didn't I didn't know Greek. Um, I didn't know anything I, I barely I barely knew English at that point uh, I mean I was you know I was flunking I was flunking uh, eighth grade English I think at the time and so but I look back and I just knew Jesus and I fell in love with Jesus I'm like this dude is awesome and I love him and he rescues me and he loves me and then it was when I got around church and now I've been doing this Jesus this Christian thing for 20 years and I find myself so often less in love with Jesus today um because I find myself being so wrapped up with having to be a good Christian. Right. And I, I, I become obsessed with that, if I'm honest. Like that becomes an obsession sometimes wrongly. I know that that's tragic, but it's it's such my propensity to
0: And that's another grace. kind of that's another kind of labyrinth. That's a performance thing that's building a monument to your competence.
1: <laughs> and and I'm so guilty of it so regularly, and I'm even aware of it at times. Like, oh, I'm so,
0: yeah, me too. Yeah, right. All the time. It's horrible. Uh,
1: and so so this is a theology podcast. I guess we should talk about the gospel. Uh, we are talking about it. I take that back. Sorry. We, we're not using the theological terms, which I appreciate that you're, you're using terms that are a nomenclature and language people get. Um, how does the, the, the truth, the redemptive work that God is doing in the lives of humans, how, how does that really rescue us from our own need for labor? Like, Basically, how does the gospel impact us, and how does it rescue us from the nonsense that we do to ourselves?
0: Okay. So, when you look at Jesus, and you look at um, at what he's offering, he's offering this love in the face of the unlovely. You know, the, the scriptures say that we love him, we love God, because he first loved us. Mm-hmm. And so the very nature of love is, it, uh, is only seen in the face of the unlovely. If if uh, you're good to me and I'm good to you, then my goodness back to you can be construed as kind of a reward in a sense, as like a payment, you know, for your good behavior towards me. It's like, hey, as, as long as we're good to each other, we've got a good thing going, you know. But when you wrong me uh, and I say, hey, I'm going to let that go, you know I'm not going to exact you know, a payment from you for, for doing that wrong thing. Basically, I'm going to suck it up. And in that sense, um, I never get my, my payment. You know, in, in a sense, I pay for the wrong thing because uh, love is love in the face of, of unloveliness. And so we suffer... Um, wrong. You know, Jesus said that there's really no greater love than for somebody to lay down his life for the one who is loved, for the beloved. And so love really is this self-sacrificial suffering, and we see it on the cross, and, um, and we see it personally when we know that we're not doing right, when we know how we've failed our children, ourselves, our spouses, our communities, or, you know, and we look at all the stuff that we know is not right about our lives, um, and then we see this message that he loves us when we're unlovely, and, and the, like I said, the scripture says, we love him because he first loved us. And so when we experience that love, that love comes to us when we don't have anything, you know, to offer. We, we experience that love and we go, oh, I love that guy. That is a guy who I could follow. Jesus and his love, there's nothing like it in this world. It's so otherworldly. Um, that's, that's something to live for. And so then we go about the thing, you know, we go and we, we get with his people, you know, we read his book and we you know go along trying to love the way that he loved the way that he loved us and it's a subtle thing that happens but what we start to do is think, you know hey I guess I'm kind of doing it all right (laughs) you know I think I'm doing okay with this love thing now remember love is love in the face of that which is unlovely and I just told myself and God, that I'm a pretty lovable dude because of how I'm doing with my love, (laughs) you know, and so at that point, I don't need his love, I've got my performance, you know, I don't need it, and so I go along, and then I wonder, how come I don't love him the way I used to love him? Mm. Well, I don't love him the way I used to love him because I love him because He first loved me, and I'm not actually experiencing any love. I'm experiencing a life of reward, where I should be rewarded for all my good behavior. (laughs) And so we, we have to get back then to, we are needy sinners. We are plants that aren't filled with water, and we're bearing no fruit, and our roots are singed. You know, what do we need to receive? We need to receive this water of life that's freely given That freely fills us, that has this natural effect, the spirit has this natural effect of just making love happen. Like we bear it like fruit on our branches, you know, and it's good and it's juicy and it sustains us and the people in our lives. You know, but you as soon as you think, man, I am an awesome tree, (laughs) you know, then then you're and you separate yourself from the source, it's not like you lose The relationship with God, it's just that you've you've started to think wrong about it, and so then you lose that passion, you know, and when he's calling you to return to his, to your first love, he's really calling us to look at just how messed up we are, and to rest in his love, to rest in his goodness for us, not the goodness that we're trying to drum up in our lives, you know, as, and and so, but then, you know, good well-intentioned people hear that message <clears throat> inside the church and they think well well we got to do something right I mean we can't just sit around resting in this love you know if you go around telling people that they're going to take advantage of it you know oh you, you experience love in the face of that which is unlovely you're just encouraging people to be unlovely and um, and that I think uh, can can be controversial but it it reveals a lack of trust in what water does inside plants. (laughs) You know, it's like the water is going to get in them roots and there will be fruit because that's what water does. (laughs) And, um, it doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen any other way. You know, so you're going to have to tell them to go rest in that water, because if they don't get the water, it doesn't happen any other way. <laughs> There's no other way they're going to bear this fruit, man. And so I think that's what happens. I think it's something like that, you know, and we all do it. And then, you know, we're reminded of it, and then we get back into, you know, trying to prove that we're lovable again, when really, that's never been the, that's never been the issue.
1: <laughs> man. I uh, this is ref- for me personally, man. This is refreshing to be reminded of the fact that uh, resting in the incredible love of God, like that's sufficient. It, it, you just said it a moment ago, perfectly. Like it's it is unworldly. It's a of another world. It's yeah. It's it's insane.
0: It's crazy. Right. It's- and it makes you happy, right? It makes yeah. you happy, right? Like I was, like you asked how I was doing. I'm like fat and depressed, right? Well, that's because I wasn't thinking about all this stuff you're asking me to talk about. <laughs> You know, and now I'm talking about it, and I'm going, that makes me happy. It makes me happy that it makes you happy. And the scriptures say that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Yeah. And so now I'm going to go from this thing going, this is actually a pretty good deal this is okay, like, all right, and, and what did we just have? Like, we had that thing, we, we took some walls down, you know, yeah. kind of came out of our lab, and, like, I don't have to pretend to you that I'm, like, a, 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 you know, some kind of successful author or, like, put up, like, some kind of thing, like, hey, look at all the stuff that I've done with my life because I know that it don't cut it, <laughs> and, um, you know, we can just say this is how I really am, and, but look at that love for us. Wow, that's good stuff. You know, and then we're excited again,
1: man. That, and that's what the gospel does over and over again. Like the fact that God is in the the business of of bringing water to dying, dead, withering plants, right? Uh, reviving them, cultivating them, that, that, yeah. that, that, they, that they come back to life and they look beautiful because of His work in our lives.
0: Yeah. That's right. uh,
1: that is that is refreshing, encouraging, strengthening, inspiring all of the ings out there that i can think of um it is all of those things man that's a great great reminder that i I don't think i could be reminded of enough
0: man i just if anybody's out there that's in charge of what gets said on sunday morning say this a lot (laughs) you know say it a lot because we need it
1: um you said something a moment ago that actually reminded me of a a quote from from your compadre there at key life steve brown I heard him say once, or maybe I saw it tweeted, I can't remember, but he says something to the effect of the, the only people who ever get any better are the ones that remember that if they never get any better, God's going to love them anyway.
0: Yeah, that's right. That keeps the focus on, that keeps the focus not on getting better, It keeps the focus on this is how great his love is. You know, he is faithful to finish what he started. And the fact of God starting anything, like if you can point to anything in your life that was like, okay, this is an encounter with this love. This is an encounter with this gospel of Jesus. Just the fact of him starting it is the absolute promise of he's going to finish it. That's right. You know, he's going to finish. And so you need to just trust that. But it's it's not about uh, making it happen.
1: Man, that is a fantastic reminder. Uh, Eric Guzman, I could do this all day. Uh, but I know you've got, you've got many more books to read and many more podcasts to record, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, and so, hey, I really appreciate your time investing in our audience. Um, if there's anyone listening to this that w- wants to connect with you or follow all things, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Guzman, what's the best yeah. way for them to, to follow you or connect with you?
0: Well, there's, a, there's like a gaggle of us over at keylife.org. And if you want to hear this message over and over and over again in different ways from different people, keylife.org is a place to do it. If you look on the author page, you'll see me there and then you know some articles that I wrote. And, um, yeah, I'm on Twitter. Twitter is Eric Guzman. I think it's just at E-R-I-K-G-U-Z-M-A-N. And
1: we'll make sure we have all of those things linked up, both the Key Life page as well as uh, Twitter And a link to where you can find the book it's called the seed a true myth by eric guzman who who has reminded us of the gospel and been transparent enough to remind us that man we're all messy we're all broken we we all need help and yet the gospel is still true for all of us in the midst of all of that Uh, what a great reminder mr guzman thank you so much for your
0: time today brother it's my pleasure thanks for having me on you're very kind to ask
1: And there you have it, my interview with Eric Guzman. I told you he was funny. He was authentic. He just has a grasp of the gospel. In a great way, and uh, and I told you that was be a, a unique interview, different than than typical on our podcast, and I absolutely loved it. And so, again, if you're someone that is interested in in reading a fiction book like this one, I would highly, highly encourage you get a copy of it. It's called The Seed. We'll also have a, a link in the show notes for this episode at our website, where you can easily get a copy. Of that book, um, I really appreciate a lot of Eric's reminders for us that that the gospel is for us. That we can be messy, we can be broken. We so often attempt to set up these labyrinths to hide ourselves from others, to to run from intimacy, to to isolate um, ourselves from people and from God. Um, But yet all of that is the opposite of what we ought to do. That is run toward community, run toward toward, uh, intimacy with the Lord and really bring our brokenness to him, knowing that he loves us anyway. God loves you no matter what. No matter how messy you are, no matter how much you fail, no matter how depressed you feel, no matter what you've done, God's love is for you. Run to him no matter what. What? His arms are open for you. What a great reminder. Thank you, Eric. I know you're listening to this. Thank you so much for your uh, for your incredible wisdom, your authenticity, and, and your willingness to remind us of the gospel. That's some really great stuff. Hey, if you're interested in uh, following Eric on Twitter or his website, you can go to the show notes uh, for this episode on our website, and all of his contact info will be there as well as the key life information there. Again, so head over to our website, which is theologyfortherestofus.com. Look at the show notes for episode 165, and all that info will be there. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you have a question or a topic that you'd like me to address in a future episode, let me know. I'd love to cover it. Or if you know someone that you think would make a great interview guest, you can also shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you. The email address is heyortiz at us.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. Reminder, you can find me on Twitter. I love the tweet a lot, and I love connecting with people there. Please feel free to reach out to me there. My Twitter handle is at Kenneth Ortiz. That's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.